Okay, if you could just give us a level check, that would be great. Louis Vito, Italy, half-pipe snowboarding. Hi, Louis. Very nice to, to meet you via podcast. Oh, hold on. Hopefully. There we go. Hit, sorry, you cut out. Can you text me the link again? Yeah, I'm going to do it from the top. Perfect. I'm, I'm going now. I'm Elizabeth Beisel, two-time Olympic medalist, and I am jumping the press rope to take you inside the Athletes' Villages, some of the most interesting and exclusive places at the 2022 Beijing Winter Olympic Games. We'll talk to athletes whose performances are pushing the medal count on snow and ice, discussing pretty much anything and everything but actually winning medals because we want to go behind the scenes and even Olympic heroes have to eat. Unfiltered conversations from the ground about the daily experiences that make up the real athlete experience of the games. You know, like life and being in the village because it isn't all nail-biting pressure and medal ceremonies all the time. You can hear us in the headphones okay? Yeah. Okay, we'll get started in three, two, one. All right, Louis, thank you so much for being with us today here in the village. It is not your first Olympic Games, but it is your first Olympic Games representing Team Italy. And you walked in those opening ceremonies last night. Can you talk about, A, the opening ceremonies um, and just like the entire experience itself? And then, B, what it was like representing Team Italy for the first time while you walked? You know, I always say that opening ceremonies is probably one of the highlights, if not the highlight from the Olympics. Um, it's so hard to put into words. I mean, the goosebumps that you get, especially because it's kind of a longer process than what people see on TV. I mean, getting to the arena, we go to a, we walk in and that takes a while, get seated. And then you're chilling pretty much in like a hockey arena most of the time. And then they'll slowly announce countries to kind of leave. So then you leave the hockey arena and depending on obviously where you are and what Olympics, for us, we had to walk out of the arena and then you kind of just walk outside towards the stadium and uh, you're with your team and you're cruising, but it's still not there yet. And then um, you kind of go into the stadium and you're kind of in, you know, the concourse, so to speak. But when you step out and they announce you and you kind of walk down the ramp and into the center of the stadium, I mean, that is where it's hard to put into words the feeling that you have and the goosebumps and you know, I thought Beijing did such a great job. I mean, the I don't know if they were, we would say, dancers or hype people they had, so, you know, all around the walkway in the stadium. I mean, they brought so much energy. They were so friendly. Um, it's just a different experience, especially now being in, in China opposed to Vancouver. I feel like it's, it's a little different just uh, culture-wise, um, even in the aspect of the opening ceremonies and it was such a great experience. And then I was thinking that, you know, when we were outside between arena and stadium, trying to kind of collect my thoughts on the difference between, you know, walking for the U S and walking for Italy. Um, it, it's, it was really hard to kind of collect them and separate the feelings because, you know, on one hand, it's your first Olympics in Vancouver. You're with, guys that you traveled with all winter, you're, you know, they're pretty much like your brothers and sisters, um, on the snowboard team, especially. And then this Olympics, um, there's not really a half pipe team, so to speak. There's one other guy that's doing half pipe, uh, for Italy, but, um, what it means to me was probably what kind of, 
hit home the most. Uh, the road to get here, um, my whole career in general, and then the reason why I really wanted to switch to Italy. And you know, people on the surface level might not understand it, but to me, it's something that is a very personal and and is very close to my heart and um, means a lot to me. So that had a whole different aspect to it, and it made the two different opening ceremonies. Um, both mean a lot, but in very different ways. Yeah, it's beautiful that you're able to compete for both countries. Um, and you say it's hitting very close to home. And I know it is because your grandparents were both Italian. Can you talk about them and the inspiration that they are in your life? Um, and, and you know, how they kind of led you to wanting to compete for Team Italy? Well, I mean, for the for first and foremost, I mean, being able to go to the Olympics for the U.S. was always a dream. You know, being born and raised in the U.S., obviously, that's a dream of yours in, in sports in general. But when I started snowboarding, it was never the goal because snowboarding wasn't in the Olympics when I started. And then, you know, 98, it's still I was pretty young and you didn't really think. And then 2002 is when it really hit home um, as I was going to Stratton Mountain School. Um, and then we had the U.S. sweep and I was actually I got to be there. So to see Ross Powers, Danny Cass, J.J. Thomas um, sweep the podium and Ross Powers went to Stratton Mountain School. He was coached by the guy that was coaching me. It was my first season, you know, having a real winter season with real coaching and traveling and being around like-minded people. Um, so that was obviously such a, a big goal of mine. And then I always say, like, if you know any Italian-Americans, you know they're Italian-American because they're very proud of being of their Italian heritage. Um, so, you know, my dad's first generation, um, and growing up in, in Rome, New York, um, everyone there is pretty much Italian. So, um, it was a big part of my, my upbringing. It was a lot of our culture and heritage of being Italian. Um, and then to have the opportunity to represent Italy, but also represent my family and, and my heritage is what really is why I'm doing what I'm doing, um, and it was really interesting just going through the process of getting my citizenship. I mean, I wasn't expedited. I wasn't courted by Italy to do this. It was just something that, you know, my dad and I first kind of wanted to get our citizenship because we thought it would be fun and cool and a great way to really embrace um, his mother. But uh, it was a really good learning experience and learning kind of, you know, deeper past my grandma and my great-grandparents and how they came over here and, you know, the different spellings of names and birthdays because they didn't speak English and things were done in pencil and all that. But just the work that it took to kind of get that. And um, it was just one of those where, like I said, at the end of the day, Italian-Americans are very proud of their Italian heritage and to be in the position that I'm in, to have the career that I've had and how long it's been to be able to represent both is a dream come true. And being here, uh, I know all my family and friends are super supportive, but especially um, my Italian side, I mean, it's something that it's not just for me, it's really for my whole family. I know Team Italy is just pure stoked to have you on the team. Um, it's rare that, you know, we get to talk to somebody that has represented two different countries in the Olympic Games at the pinnacle of their sport. Um, What's the vibe like on Team Italy versus Team USA? Um, like, how different is it when you guys travel, when you eat, when you hang out? Is there a difference even? Well, really, I mean, um, snowboard halfpipe, 
uh, really isn't part of the Federation. So um, a lot of it was still the kind of the same, same thing that I've been doing for a while. I mean, I have my own coach that I take care of. Um, I travel on my own, um, camps I do on my own. I do everything. I've, you know, Filippo Crotter, who was a pro snowboarder when I was coming up and I've known when back in the day when he was a pro snowboarder, his brother, uh, was also a pro snowboarder, Giacomo, who competed for Italy in half pipe. Um, I've known them for a really long time. Um, and Filippo has been super helpful with me and, but he, he's the coach and runs the freestyle, but he's head of slope style, but you know, he kind of took on the the extra workload to make sure I was good for the events and talking to the Federation and to the Olympic committee for me, even though I wasn't technically his responsibility, he really stepped up and kind of made things easier for me. But for the most part, as far as traveling and everything like that goes, um, I'm pretty much just doing the same thing I would be doing regardless if I had an American flag next to my name or an Italian flag next to my name. Um, but I do have a relationship with the slope style guys and, um, I knew, I knew quite a few of them before. Um, so nothing's really changed with them except, you know, now I get to the share the same flag next to my name as they do. Speaking of that flag, do you speak any Italian? Uh, I'm working on it. You know, I've been taking, I had a tutor that I was doing Skype classes with and, you know, when I'm, when I have downtime, you know, I'm on it every other day, but, uh, with traveling, she was in, in Italy and then I'm in the States and then depending on what time zone I'm in, depending on, you know, if I'm at a, if I'm riding, I'm not riding, um, my other sponsor commitments, whatever she's, you know, she does a lot of translating work for, um, different businesses. So getting, you know, sometimes with the travel was getting a little difficult and I'm a little further behind than I would like to be at this point, but it's something that I'm going to continue to do. And it's also something that, you know, I've always said to people like, this isn't just a one foot in one foot out. Like I'm all in. And, um, to me, it's really important to get my language better and get it down. And so I look to continue it, uh, well past, you know, this, this time in my life. Yeah, that's awesome. And I bet just being on team Italy is going to kind of spark that, that interest again. Once you're, once you have like less big things on your plate, like training for the Olympic games, um, so talking about pipe a little bit, how much has that sport changed um, since you came onto the scene? Because you've kind of been there from the beginning. I mean, you're, you just, you have a laundry list of accolades and it's amazing to read. Um, can you talk about the change that the sport has seen? You know, the big talk right now is just the, with people starting to do tri- triple corks and half pipe um, where, you know, double corks are, now kind of the norm. And I try to start thinking about this because I asked this the other day, you know, but to me, I still think the bigger jump was between 2009, 2010, uh, when the double corks were getting introduced because it wasn't just one double. I mean, there was front side double cork 10, cab double cork 10, um, back double 12. So there was like three, four different doubles that all kind of got popular all at one time. Um, I mean, Mike Michael Chuck did a mi- double Michael Chuck. Um, obviously, back in the day, I always said he was ahead of his time. But, um, you know, you had all these doubles all at one time, and it was really kind of the changing of the guard where you have a few riders that have triple corks, and that's a big jump. I mean, I'm not downplaying that at all because the risk-reward on that is is pretty intense. But I still think the biggest change was 2009 to 2010. But it's just crazy because – you know, in 2010 Olympics, you still had a mandatory straight air and it was kind of almost hampered the, 
the progression in a sense, having to fit that in your run. And now you're starting to see, you know, so many people with different variations of double corks, some people with triple corks that some people are toning it back and doing more unique tricks, adding a little more creativity. Some are, you know, a lot more switch straight airs where you almost see it like, yeah, we're progressing and there's still big leaps and bounds, but we also need to separate ourselves and bring back a little more style and creativity. And then you see in slope style now, it's it's hard. I mean, you almost have to have a PhD in math to keep track of, of you know, what they're doing between the rotations and triple corks, quad corks. Um, it's pretty insane in snowboarding in general, but uh, the progression's insane. But it's also wild that it's still progressing with the flips and spins, but also people are really trying to take a step back and bring back some of the more creative stuff, but also take that creative stuff and maybe instead of an alley-oop five, you know, doing alley-oop tens or um, switch back double alley-oop tens, you know, just it's like a still a creative trick, but adding a bigger rotation than, you know, what the Todd Richards of the world were doing um, leading up to this point. So, Lou, you've been around the block a few times in snowboarding, and it's kind of you and Sean White. Like, you guys are the old guys gunning for it. What What is that like to do that alongside him? You know, it's been great. I've known Sean when I was still living in Ohio um, riding, so I was probably 11, 12 years old when I met Sean. Um, so, I mean, we're talking, you know, over 20 years of, of friendship. And, you know, it's been great to share you know, the Olympic, multiple Olympics with Sean and um, obviously, you know, the things that we can talk about and uh, we can look back on and reflect on and remember that we did together is pretty fun. And, you know, he's somebody that I've competed against, you know, my whole career. He was in before me and, um, but I've competed against my whole career. Sean's been lucky, you know, he's so talented and um, I think it's someone that he can take time off and come back and still be riding uh, the top of his game. Whereas I've always had to kind of, I've had that blue collar chip on my shoulder career where, you know, grinding year in, year out, competing with blown discs and broken backs and torn meniscus and all these things. Um, but to still be here and to be riding alongside him has been great. And, you know, just like I was walking on the train, we took the bullet train to Beijing last night for opening ceremonies and, you know, stopping by and, oh, what up, Sean? And just, you know, the fact that our friendship has lasted so long and we've been through so much stuff together uh, professionally and, and personally, it, it's, it's always great to have somebody like that that you go through these, these experiences with. And that's another thing that I think is always hard to kind of put into words unless you're in the actual moment. But uh, how great it is to, to be riding with him still and uh, to have somebody that you've been friends with for over 20 years uh, experiencing this together is 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 great. That's awesome. And, and one last question before we let you go: What is your favorite part about being in the village right now? I know you've only been there for a few days, but is there a highlight that kind of sticks out in your mind? Um, you know, it's really just kind of fun to be here because there's so many people, and you might not know them, you might not know their sport, you see them with their jacket, but everybody's, you know, here. Uh, and you all know that they all were grinding to get here. It was a dream, you know, regardless if you've been to one Olympics or five Olympics, you know, it's always such an accomplishment to make an Olympic Games. And you're kind of just surrounded by people who, 
you know, are achieving their goals. Some of them, it was a long shot, like I said, and they've never been to one. And some of them have been to multiple, but everybody is here because they put in the hard work and this is, you know, the pinnacle of, of their career. So I think that's really cool and just mingling with, with other countries, but uh, just seeing everybody walking around in their, their team jackets and uh, seeing how many nations are here and being represented is, is great. And then obviously, you know, it, it's fun going to go to a cafeteria where you all kind of meet up and, and are eating. And, you know, like I said, you have so many different sports. It's, it's in Vancouver, we were in the main village when we were there. And this one, I think there's two or three villages here. And, um, so it's just fun to kind of be around different athletes, um, enjoying different, different activities they have. I mean, They've got gift shops and Samsung has a whole little experience you can do. They have a game room. They have gyms. They have 24-7 cafeteria. They got a KFC inside there, a Pizza Hut inside there, um, you know, coffee machines. And I'll be honest with you, the, the staff that they have here are so nice. As soon as you walk in anywhere, especially the cafeteria, I mean, they're so happy. They're waving. They're thanking you for coming. I mean, it, it is such a good vibe, the volunteers, and I think – with with COVID going on and especially how different um, regulations there are all over the world. And, you know, a lot of people know these games are very strict. I mean, we're testing every single day. Um, these volunteers are, are volunteers and I can only imagine what they have to go through to be in the village in this closed loop. But the fact that they come in, they work all the hours they work, they have a smile on their face, they're waving to you and they're so happy um, to give you give them your tray at the end and they're throwing your food away and they're so happy and they're so positive. It really makes the experience here so great. And I think that's something that I really wanted to make a point to highlight because they're kind of the unsung heroes because they make our lives so much easier. And again, they're volunteers and I can only imagine the protocols they have to go through um, every single day to do what they do, but they really do make a big difference. Yeah, so wonderfully put. And and it truly does take a village in order to run the Olympics. Louis Vito, thank you so much for joining us today. Best of luck to you, Team Italy. And we cannot wait to watch you absolutely crush it. Hey, thank you so much for taking the time. And I know it's late for you guys, so I appreciate it. Follow In the Village now on Amazon Music to get automatic downloads and tune into the networks of NBC to watch every moment of the 2022 Beijing Winter Olympic Games. And for the first time ever, the Super Bowl and Winter Olympics will be on the same day in the same network. Competition continues at the Winter Olympics tonight and don't miss Super Bowl 56 as the Los Angeles Rams take on the Cincinnati Bengals February 13th on NBC and Peacock.